Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. That's not what I'd expect. You wouldn't expect this big white stallion, you know, and the king coming in and and holding up a sword. I've seen too many movies, obviously. (laughs) And uh, saying that he's going to, you know, conquer and take over and put Rome in their place, right? Instead, come in riding on a donkey's colt in answer to the prophecy. And every good Jewish man, woman, and child knew and have heard stories about this prophecy. I wonder what was in their mind and what they were thinking when they were thinking about the king riding in on a donkey's colt. Now, a donkey's pretty small as it is, um, and then the colt probably got a little bit smaller, and then it's got to be strong enough, right, to be able to hold a person. Jesus was 33, so that, I was 33 once. There's too much laughing going on with that. And um, so, you know, they expected him to come in and to rule like David. Like David's coming, you know, another king to come in and be able to take charge and to clean out the Romans and to take, you know, take back over what was theirs. And the rumors had been spreading of Jesus's of Jesus' miracles, the things that he had done, and that the long-awaited king was coming. We love this story because we see Jesus getting the respect that he's due. Because as they heard about Jesus coming, as they got excited about it, the stirring of the city took place and people came. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's coming and should have been welcomed with a parade, right? I mean, absolutely, Jesus should have been welcomed with a parade. But was there truly a victory on that day in Jerusalem? Even Jesus, as he topped the hill and caught his first glimpse of Jerusalem that day, gave us a sign that maybe all should not be as it was. Let's look at Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. It says, But as they came closer to Jerusalem, and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all of you people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and the peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle uh, you with Uh, and close in from you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. As Jesus caught his first glimpse of Jerusalem, he didn't proclaim glad tidings. Instead, he prophesied of Jerusalem's destruction but I believe that very few heard the words of prophecy that day. 
They were in a mood to celebrate. They were cheering and laughing. And finally, their long-awaited king had arrived. Those who might have seen the tears probably thought, oh, see how he loves Jerusalem? See how he weeps for our captivity? Finally, he's going to set us free. And as they rode onto the temple, the air of expectation would have just deepened. He's going to do it. He's going to go to the temple. He's going to go to the synagogue, and he's going to go inside of there, and he's going to declare himself king. He's going to call a rise for all of us to rise up in arms against Rome. He's going to lead us to victory and crush the evil empire, Rome. As he rode through the gates to the temple, the crowd would have hushed. And I'm sure they were following all along as he came and he continued to ride by. You could have heard a pin drop when the people waited for Jesus to proclaim his right to the throne and to make his declaration of war against Rome. But something completely unexpected happened. And Mark 11, 11 says, So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple, and after looking around carefully at everything, he left. Because it was late in the afternoon, then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Hmm. Not kind of what you'd expect. So what do you do now? You're there. You've been excited about it. You probably had most of the day to prepare because it was late in the afternoon when they said it came in. So he comes in and he goes to the temple. We're expecting some great, incredible news. We're getting excited about it. And you watch Jesus walk in and he looks around and he leaves. Goes to Bethany. It's a couple maybe an hour or so away, a couple miles it took him to walk to Bethany from there. There was no victory that day. What started out as a pop ended in a fizzle. It could have been this moment that led the crowds shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He disappointed us. He's no king. If he isn't going to lead us to victory, let's crucify him. What they didn't understand was that the donkey was not a sign of Christ's triumph. The parade did not mark this day of Christ's triumph. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss it too. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Awesome. And I love hearing the weather report. Thank you, Cheryl, for that. Good news. Especially when you have to uh, hide Easter eggs out here in the courthouse lawn. You need some dry weather. Maybe a little soggy eggs would just not be not the best. But it's Easter Sunday. And we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But if we skip from the triumphant entry to the resurrection, we'll miss the moment of true triumph. 
Have you seen pictures of the triumphant entry? I know, I've seen plenty of them. And my little cartoons, anybody see the little cartoons? It's okay to watch them. <laughs> it's a joyous occasion. It's fun. They're grabbing the branches. They're grabbing the cloaks, you know, their coats and things and putting them down. And uh, Jesus is coming into town and they're happy, excited. And of course, a lot of people had their own agenda that day, right? I mean, put yourself in that spot for a moment. Imagine yourself to go back to that time and think of the oppression that they're living under and the taxes. Oh, my goodness. We think we got it bad. I think uh, they were taxed to the hilt, and uh, it was really tough on them. And so to bring up excitement, to bring up uh, this uh, coming of the Lord and riding in on a donkey just as it was prophesied, how exciting, but what agenda? What brought them there? What got them to the streets to line up? I think maybe some just wanted to see the spectacle. Some were waiting for the king and excited and got their palm branches and it's like, come on, kids, this is the king of kings. We're going to go out there uh, because we've heard everything that Jesus has done. We've heard of all the miracles. We've met people that we know been affected by the miracles. I've heard people talk about if we had all the miracles that Jesus had did during his time, that there wouldn't be enough room, you know, height-wise in here to volume all of them. So people knew of Jesus' miracles and the things that he did. It was incredible. Others plotting Jesus' demise. They're there in the background watching, waiting. Romans were there trying to figure out what they're going to do with this guy. What was the agenda? What would your agenda be there that day? What would you be expecting and waiting and wanting? Now Christ gets there to the synagogue and leaves. <laughs> what feeling then does that leave you with? It's like, we built all this up. What do we do now? What's going to happen next? So let's look what happened according to Mark. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem, went in the temple courts, and he looked around at everything. But since uh, it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. We're feeling empty, aren't we? It's like, this is it. This is the time. We're getting excited. And now what? Christ's victory is to remind me of the moment that Christ truly became king of kings. It wasn't on a donkey. It wasn't on that march to Jerusalem. 
It was at the cross that Christ truly triumphed. The Roman officer who stood at the cross of Christ recognized that fact. In Mark chapter 15, verses 37 through 39, it says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, This man is truly the Son of God. The Roman centurion was the only one that recognized the moment of Christ's victory. The apostles didn't understand at the time. It wouldn't be until after the resurrection that they'd begin to understand the victory won that dark day on the hill called Golgotha. And do we recognize Christ's moment of victory? Do we recognize that it was at the cross that the battle was won? Colossians 2.15 says, In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus won the, his victory at the cross. Jesus vanquished all of his foes at the cross. We love the resurrection, but the resurrection by itself would mean nothing without the cross. Without the crucifixion, it was on the cross that day that victory was won. The resurrection is just the spoils of war. The resurrection was the spoils of, the, of war won on the cross. The resurrection was Christ's reward for obediently going to the cross. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place, to the highest place in honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To, God, uh, to the glory of God the Father. It was Christ's obedience to the point of death that earned his reward. Jesus didn't earn his place at the right hand of God because of the resurrection, but because of his crucifixion. But what was accomplished at the cross that day? Why was the cruci uh, Christ's crucifixion so important? Well, let's take a few moments and discover what was accomplished through the cross of Christ. First, it satisfied justice. We're told that on the day of the final judgment, everyone will stand before God's great white throne to hear the charges against them. We're told that every sin that we have ever committed is recorded in a book. I happened to bring my book of sins today. I told Valor I'd show hers too. 
what would it be like to have your book of sins kept? How thick would your book be? Maybe thicker, maybe not as thick. I'm not sure if it's a sin to use the Bible to show my sins, but it's a beautiful old Bible. (laughs) What would it look like to see our book of sins? Oh, my goodness. I don't want to see it. I don't want to just to know that it's out there, that uh, they're being kept track of. It's like, oh, my goodness. Why would we want that? But it it is. On the day of judgment, the book will be opened and every human being will be held accountable for every sin that they've ever committed recorded in these books. I had a youth minister tell me a little video is going to play of all of our sins. And I'm like, no! How awful! What a thought to think that all of a sudden all my sins are going to play up on a screen. It's like, nope, nope, I don't want to know. There's only one sentence that can be given to those who have sinned. And that's probably the lake of fire, right? Sounds pretty grim. And it would be if not for Christ's victory on the cross. I mean, we can live in that just thinking, all right, I have no hope. My sins are being accounted for. They're being kept track of. Nobody's losing track of them up there in heaven, and uh, they're all being written down. How depressing. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, the pages contained that contain your sins and my sins were ripped away from the book and they were nailed to the cross as well. The record of our sins was destroyed the moment Jesus died on the cross. The blood ran across those pages and blotted out all of my sins. That's good news, that there is no longer a record of my sins, that they've been blotted out. God would not be able to see our sins through the blood of Christ. But God will be able to see our name written in another book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Not only are our sins blotted out by the blood of Christ, but they're written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How awesome that our names will be written there in Jesus' blood. It's through the cross of Christ that we have forgiveness for sins. It's through the cross of Christ that we have been saved from God's judgment. It is through the cross of Christ that our names are recorded in the Book of Life. That's triumph. That's victory. 
And that's what gives us hope. But that's not all the cross accomplished. Through the cross, Jesus also vanquished our greatest enemies, death and the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 say, Because God's children are human beings, made of one flesh, made of flesh, sorry, one flesh, I'm not sure where that came in, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all those who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ? Beautiful, awesome movie. I couldn't stop crying when I watched it. I think when it came out, and I've seen it a couple times, but that first time, as it sort of helped set into my mindset all that Jesus went through, and I know it's a movie and it's made up and um, that they've added some things probably, but I don't think they were even graphic enough with what Jesus really went through. One of the greatest moments in that movie take place when Jesus dies. As Jesus dies, you see the devil raging in hell. Why? Because he understands that he's been defeated. As Jesus dies, he tears the keys of death from Satan's grasp. Revelations chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 says, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Because of Christ's triumph on the cross, we no longer need to fear death and the grave. We don't have to do it. We no longer need to fear Satan and his demonic minions. Jesus has won the victory over the forces of evil. Jesus robbed Satan of all of his power to frighten us. And of course, one of Satan's main weapons against us is guilt. Anybody ever have that? Satan loves to make us feel guilty. And it's easy because we have so much to feel guilty for. I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty terrible sinner, as evident. And Satan loves to bring up those old sins. He loves to remind me of them and to bring them up and to make me feel guilty so that I kind of waller in them and get depressed. But praise God, because of the cross of Christ, I have no reason to feel guilty. We don't. All those sins have been washed away. We even sang about that in one of our songs this morning. They're washed away. We don't have to worry about them any longer. Christ's blood has blotted them out. So we've been set free from the sins that we've committed. Does that give us free reign to sin? Absolutely not. <laughs> we have to try to fight against sin. And fight against uh, trying to give up and trying to 
just let our way happen. We need to live our life in a way that is pleasing to God. Hebrews 10, 22 says, For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Praise God. One of the, this is one of the reasons why baptism is so important. Because it represents outwardly what faith in Christ has done inwardly. When I was baptized, my body was washed clean. And when I accepted Christ, my spirit was washed clean. So when Satan tries to make me feel guilty and unworthy of my salvation, I just have to point back to my baptism. To the moment that I was washed by the blood of Christ. And I can know that I am worthy, not because of my good deeds, but because of Christ's victory on the cross. A final thing that the cross does is to give me victory in my own life. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of uh, the blood of Jesus. By this, Jesus opened up a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. The cross of Christ, the blood of Christ, gives me victory over sin. Before I was saved by the blood of Jesus, I was powerless to overcome sin. But when I was washed by the blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit began to live in me. And through the power of the Spirit, I can conquer sin. The Spirit gives me the power to overcome. In 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Through our faith in Christ, we can defeat the temptations of this world. And we can confidently enter God's throne room through prayer. We can go right into the presence of God knowing that our victorious Savior is on our side. He is there to pray for us. We're told that, when, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for those who believe. He is there pleading our case. Jesus earned the right to be so, uh, to do so by obediently going to the cross. He earned his place at the Father's side through the cross. And we're told over and over that he is there using his position for us. He's there whispering in God's ear, Father, help Darren. Father, forgive Darren. Father, give Darren all that he needs. And I'm so glad that he's there doing that. What an amazing truth. When you pray, the Holy Spirit is praying. Jesus is interceding, and the Father is listening. Because of Christ's victory on the cross, you can be assured 
that God is on your side. 2,000 years ago, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the Jews really had no reason to celebrate. In fact, they had every reason to weep. They were only days away from rejecting Jesus and screaming for his death. The same ones there yelling Hosanna, praise God, is there in a week, just a few days away from saying crucify him, crucify him. They were just years away from the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. In 70 AD, Roman forces would command to utterly de destroy the temple. They were commanded to leave no stone on another. Hmm. I wonder who gave that prophecy. They had no reason to celebrate, but we do. Because we have faith in the one who went to the cross. We can rejoice this Sunday and every Sunday. We can celebrate that the victory is ours through the blood of Christ. Through his death. Jesus done more than just forgive our sins. Through the cross, he opened up the floodgates of heaven so that we might receive every spiritual blessing from the Father. If we're just waiting for it, if we'll just open up to it, if we'll just know that God is there to give us. But for Christ's victory on the cross to be our victory, we must publicly put our faith in him. We must do something that the Jews 2,000 years ago didn't do. We must accept Christ's lordship over our lives. We must declare that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Are we ready to do that? In our hearts, are we prepared to do that? And not just say, this is just another Sunday that I get to hear another message and then go on my way and have lunch and whatever episodes are on Netflix. It's something day to day, hour to hour that we must do in our lives, in our hearts to live for Christ, confessing Christ and being baptized. Next week, we've got some baptisms going to happen, which is so exciting, especially on Easter morning to have some baptisms. So we get to start our service next week. Uh, with some baptisms here, which, I mean, is going to be a great way to start Easter morning, isn't it? So prepare our hearts for Christ to wash away all the, all the untruth, all the sins, all the things that's happened, to blot them out, and to know that we have hope, hope of a future. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come up and prepare um, for our next song as we prepare our hearts for communion. No better way to do that uh, as we've talked about the blood of Christ a lot washing away our sins. We have four stations here, and um, when we come to take communion, you just go to one of those stations, and um, the attendants there will give you a communion. You can take it back to your seats, and uh, just take time to pray and uh, remember what Christ did for us. Arlene's going to bring our message this morning.
after the song. And there's a gluten-free communion also in the back, back here in case you need that as well. So this morning, let's just prepare our hearts for this time, for this message that let it sit with you and that Christ's victory happened at the cross. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.